He's got too much pine tar. Sloppy Head. jalopy. They were doing the uh, the Chris Davis fishing for it. Might be going to call George Brett out. Well, he is. He's out. Yes, Brett is out. Look at, look at this. Brett is out. And Demon Matt. He is out. And having to be forcibly restrained from hitting plate umpire Tim McClellan. Too much potter. <laughs> Way, way too much pod tar. And welcome back to another episode of Too Much Pod Tar. Um, as we continue our off-season episodes for each team, uh, today we pick up with the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, they finished 29-31 and 31 on the shortened season, uh, but because of the expanded po- postseason format, 16 teams, 8 in each league, they they made the postseason and then uh, got swept by the Dodgers in the wild card series. So, yeah, we're not going to have that format next year, I don't think. It, would, uh, it won't be 16 teams. Maybe it could be, it could end up being 14, but we'll see. What, I don't know what's, what's going to happen with that. But uh, just hopefully it's not 16. That's way too many, to, for, in my opinion. But for this episode... Help me break down the Brewers. You know how the season went, and then going into their off season, what their what their moves, the, the moves that they should make. Uh, I got Zach Bellman on, who who was on for our pre season preview show for them back, you know January, February, whenever it was, I forget. But yeah, he's from he's an associate editor of a Wisconsin newspaper. So yeah, welcome back to the show. Well, Alex, thank you for having me. And boy, the world has changed quite a bit since uh, the last time we spoke. <laughs> oh yeah, yep. Yeah, that was back when we thought it was going to be a full season. So. Yep, yep, exactly. And you know, as you as you kind of bring that up, I think uh, one of the interesting things to consider when you look at the, you know, obviously the prognosis that uh, we had going in uh, versus what ended up happening with the sixty-game season is, I think, particularly in the Brewers' case. Uh, I think they were a team that were, was really built, um, you know, to maybe endure some struggles early on in a 162-game season. But, um, you know, when you look at some of the guys that they brought in uh, for this for this season, um, you know, some early struggles in, in critical early games when you're looking at, you know, obviously every game counts for about, you know, 2.5 to 3 times more than uh, it normally would in a in a 60-game format. So... Um, you know, it was obviously uh, some early struggles for some key pieces that they brought in and that I kind of hoped would contribute over the course of a longer 162-game season. Uh, didn't quite have the chance to do so, but uh, it was certainly, you know, an interesting season for the Brewers. Obviously, making the playoffs for the third straight year is an accomplishment for, you know, a team that uh, only has a handful of playoff, um, you know, qualifications over their uh, team history and, uh, you know, making the playoffs three straight years, even in an expanded format, I think is something that you have to look at as an achievement for this organization. Um, but, you know, obviously a 29 and, and 31 record, you know, maybe fell a little bit below uh, some of their expectations and, you know, becoming the first team other than uh, the Astros who also went 29 and 31, uh, you know, this year 
uh, to qualify as a you know playoff team with a below 500 record is not exactly a distinction that uh, they may proudly wave a banner for uh, you know in seasons to come. But uh, you know certainly an interesting season and one that you have to look at overall is um, you know pretty pretty good uh, accomplishment for the organization. Yeah, for sure. And obviously they had a run into the eventual World Series champion Dodgers in that first series. So that was obviously going to be tough when when they got to face them. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's the second straight year for them losing to the eventual World Series champion. I'm not a huge uh, believer in that as a, as a silver lining, but, uh, you know, it, that's, I guess, worth something to, to, and, you know, it was, it was a buzzsaw. I think, you know, as you, near those final few weeks of the uh, MLB season and you're looking at where seating might match up. Obviously the, 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 the goal is to make the tournament. Everyone has a chance to, to win once you, once you make the tournament, but uh, you were definitely looking to avoid the Dodgers for as long as you could. And um, you know, they end up uh, facing them in, in the first round and those, uh, you know, top two starters and that, you know, basically line up you have to fear one through nine uh was too much for them to overcome for sure but um yeah definitely some uh some positives as well as you look at the uh you know some of the individual performances uh for the brewers i think you know when it, when i was looking at highlights from the 2020 season i think two of them for me were the front end of the rotation and the back end of the bullpen uh, you know, Brandon Woodruff, I think, solidified himself uh, as kind of the ace of this staff. He, he'd kind of been flirting with that role for the last couple of years, but, uh, you know, really solidified himself as the go-to guy. Uh, had an eight-inning performance, I believe, uh, you know, in the last week of the season that helped them make the playoffs. And overall for the season, had a 3.05 ERA, uh, .99 whip, and a 3-5 and record despite, you know, really struggling for offensive help uh, during his starts. And I think the other uh, big starter for them was Corbin Burns, who, um, you know, after some struggles in the bullpen, they they basically had him relegated to double A, single A, triple A. You know, he was in the minors most of last season after really struggling uh, with an ERA of almost 10 uh, in 2019. Uh, he returned to form in a big way, four and one record in nine starts, 2.11 ERA. I think came like a third of an inning short of uh, qualifying for the ERA lead and, you know, was a fringe Cy Young candidate in the NL and uh, had a 1.02 whip as well. So, you know, he was phenomenal. Uh, that top two in the rotation is uh, something definitely to be keeping an eye on as they continue to grow and mature in the rotation. Uh, and then the back end of the bullpen, um, you know, Devin Williams was, I think, uh, one of the stories of the you know, the shortened 2020 season, uh, bursting out of the scene, winning NL Rookie of the Year and Reliever of the Year with a .33 ERA, 53 strikeouts in 27 innings, a .63 whip, and a 4-1 record out of the pen. Uh, he kept Milwaukee in several close games and set the table for Josh Hader while, you know, also looking like the Brewers' uh, potential closer of the future. And uh, Josh Hader, you know, as well, uh, his ERA continued to go up a little bit, but he still converted uh, 13 of 15 um, uh, save opportunities and, uh, you know, started to develop that breaking pitch that I remember talking about um, in our, you know, season preview was was something that I think hitters were starting to not respect. He started to throw that for strikes and, um, you know, that uh, became, 
you know, a, a pretty devastating, uh, you know, combo with his fastball that is tough to pick up. So once once hitters realize that they had to start respecting that breaking pitch, um, you know, I think that rounded him out a little bit as a pitcher. So, um, you know, I think those were kind of the high points. Um, I don't know if you want to get into a little bit of some of the low points or if you had any uh, direction you wanted to take this. Yeah, I was going to actually mention one of the low points was, you know, Christian Yelich. I don't know. I was just going to, I was asking, wanted to ask you, like, what, you know, what do you think was wrong with him this year? Because he was obviously his first two years with the club. He was an MVP front runner, won, won an MVP uh, and back to back batting titles. And then this year just kind of just wasn't himself. I don't know if it was because of the circumstance of the season, just kind of never, never got it going. But you now he was. Yeah. He, bad at 205 saw an increase in strikeout percentage as well so uh, yeah and and watching just as a fan i mean he looked lost up there at some points he was not picking up the breaking ball well um you know not not really catching up to the fastball i mean he looked completely different than the mvp candidate and mvp winner in uh 2018 that we had seen the first two years in milwaukee and you know, you start to look at that uh, you know, 10-year extension that he signed and get a little bit worried. But I think as Brewers fans, we got to realize we're in this for the long haul. Um, and, you know, I, I'm not overly concerned with, uh, you know, one performance in a 60-game season because, you know, as I kind of said, uh, you know, it, there's so much more pressure on each individual game. And I think, uh, you know, Major League Baseball players are very much, uh, you know, creatures of habit, can you know, potentially get inside their own heads at times. And we saw, you know, not just Yelich, but quite a few stars this year uh, struggle and perform below what, you know, we had kind of established as the expectation. So I'm not, you know, overwhelmingly concerned about Yelich individually. I will say the offense as a, uh, as a whole really struggled. Um, and if you look at their batting average, they were uh, 26 in the, in major league baseball and batting average. Interestingly, um, the entire NL Central, for some reason, uh, had holes in their bats all season long uh, in that same category in batting average. Uh, St. Louis was 22nd. The Cubs were 27th. Uh, the Pirates were 28th. And the Reds were 30th. Um, and the Brewers were also 26th in runs scored. Um, and, you know, if you were if you were watching this team all season long, you saw them flirt with multiple no-hitters offensively. They actually got no-hit by Alec Mills of the Cubs on September 13th. Uh, during a really weird week-long stretch where they scored 19 runs on September 9th against the Tigers, got no hit on the 13th against the Cubs, and then two days later scored 18 runs against the Cardinals. So, you know, I don't know what to make of that stretch, but, um, you know, I think uh, one of the things that really hurt this offense was uh, that Lorenzo Cain, uh, their leadoff hitter for the last couple of years, obviously brought in the same day as Christian Yelich, uh, opted out shortly after the season started. I think the Brewers really missed his leadoff ability and that, you know, his ability to set the tone, uh, work counts, uh, although they, you know, did get some decent uh, leadoff appearances and uh, from Eric Sogard. He was able to work walks and work counts and get on base quite a bit. But uh, as you said, Christian Yelich was not himself. And I think the other guy that Milwaukee was really hoping to take a leap in his second year in his first technically full season uh, with the Brewers was uh, their second baseman, Keston Hira, um, who lost nearly 100 batting average points from you know 2019 to 2020. And um, 
you know, was really also struggling with the strikeouts. And obviously, uh, you know, strikeouts are something that is uh, kind of blowing up around the league right now. Um, but especially with this offense, when uh, you become reliant on the big extra base hit to bring people in, um, you know, that's not often a, a winning formula in the league. So uh, I think they they really struggled across the board here. Um, uh, I don't know if you want to – I, I kind of wanted to touch on a little bit, if it's all right with you, Alex, uh, the, um, the new pieces they brought in, if you uh, wanted to talk about that. Yeah, that's that's a good good topic to talk about as well. Yeah, if you want to jump into that. Yeah, because I, I remember in our preview, I remember talking about uh, Justin Smoke and Omar Narvaez is yeah. guys that uh, you know would potentially you know be big impact players for them. Obviously, uh, Smoke a former All Star, Omar Narvaez a former twenty home run guy, um, guys that that they brought in that I really thought uh, had, you know, that potential to be bounce back candidates in, in 2020. And like, like I kind of touched on in the intro was, uh, you know, their, um, their ability um, to adjust to a, a shortened season with a new team, I think was something that, uh, you know, really did not favor them getting off to hot starts. Uh, Justin Smoke, batted 186 in 33 games before being cut. And Omar Narvaez batted 176 in 40 games. He was practically an empty uniform. Uh, unfortunately, they you know still have him under contract for next year at $2.9 million. So he's probably their, their mainstay with Manny Pena um, for next season. And hopefully over 162-game season, he can uh, you know, figure it out. But... Uh, you know, he was he was just invisible out there offensively. Um, you know, a couple of the other guys they brought in, Josh Lindblom, uh, you know, after a stint in Korea, uh, had a couple good starts in September that definitely kept them in the race. Um, but he did not quite hit the ground running in the first year of his three-year deal. Uh, had a 5.16 ERA. Um, and then, uh, you know, two of the other guys they brought in, Avisiel Garcia, um, hit 238 with two homers and slugged 326, which is his lowest slugging since his rookie year. Uh, definitely hoping for him to step up in right slash center field. He was also, you know, kind of becoming the everyday center fielder for most of the year with Lorenzo Cain gone. So maybe that, you know, is, is, is kind of the case sometimes when players are taking on unfamiliar defensive territory. It, uh, you know, can take away from their uh, offensive ability and stuff like that. And then, uh, Luis Arias acquired in the Trent Grisham trade, uh, hit 239 in 41 games. You know, was kind of uh, balancing around the infield, uh, relieving Orlando Arcia at shortstop and also playing some third base. And, um, you know, was uh, serviceable, but, uh, you know, he was somebody who's very highly touted for his hitting. So uh, hitting 239 is, uh, you know, not quite uh, what the Brewers, I think, were expecting in the immediate returns. And, while they're watching uh, Trent Grisham win a gold glove and, uh, you know, and Zach Davies, the other piece of that trade, uh, contribute pretty substantially for uh, San Diego. That had to be uh, hard to watch for many Brewers fans uh, who may have, uh, you know, kind of seen that as not great returns on, on that early trade. But uh, I still think, you know, that was a good move. Uh, Grisham was not necessarily going to break into the, uh, you know, Brewers uh, outfield uh, necessarily this year, maybe maybe after Lorenzo Cain 
Uh, but you couldn't have foreseen that uh, when you were making this trade, uh, you know, last winter. So, um, you know, they they uh, they got some serviceable output from uh, some of their new acquisitions. One of the one of the other ones they brought in um, to play corner infield was Jed Jerko, and he, you know, at times I think was one of the uh, offensive MVPs or, as far as uh, guys you didn't really expect to stand up. He had. Uh, you know, nine home runs in 42 games and played a very serviceable corner infield, which is uh, is a big, uh, you know, hole for the Brewers coming into the year. And, um, you know, I think is, is a position they got to look at pretty hard, um, you know, over the course of this offseason as well. So. Yeah, so if you, it's all right with you, I want to transition to, you know, talk about the offseason coming up as well. So, yeah. Sure. Yeah, so. Uh, one of the just talk about some of the free agents they have. One of them is, you know, one of their best players over his career was uh, Ryan Braun, who's going to be a free agent. Uh, so, you know, he's probably not going to. I don't. I can't imagine he'd they'd be signing him back. So, he, you know, just maybe give give me your thoughts on what his career has been for the Brewers and kind of like what what you take away from it. Uh, obviously, it didn't come out come with didn't come without uh, controversy because of the steroids and all that, but he was a pretty, he was a mainstay for the, for the Brewers for a number of years. So. Yeah, definitely. And it's a, it's kind of a complicated situation because of what you touched on there with the, with the controversy surrounding his career. I don't anticipate him being a, a fan favorite acquisition at, uh, you know, most of the other cities that uh, booed him fat, rather tremendously, uh, you know, over the last number of years since that, uh, you know, scandal with the, um, you know, recovery cream he was using and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, um, as far as Ryan Braun, uh, the, the success that the Brewers have had under his tenure uh, in left field, right field, and, you know, a little bit of first base as well, um, has been rather franchise changing. Uh, changing. I think, uh, you know, this, this was a uh, program that really – lingered in mediocrity for a number of years since uh you know some of their heydays in the 70s and 80s um and that that class that came up with uh ryan braun prince fielder and ricky weeks i mean they really changed the culture um and really uh you know along with the new owner uh the new owner mark antanasio really changed the culture in milwaukee um and i think the the expectations have uh changed tremendously and when you uh, dig in a little bit to some of the answers that Christian Yelich provided um, as far as why he chose to re-sign with Milwaukee. He said conversations with Ryan Braun were a huge part of that, and I think that's something to consider as well when you consider his legacy, at least in the Milwaukee area, is that you know he was, it sounds like, fairly instrumental in convincing Christian Yelich to stay and, and sign on for a 10-year deal, and that's not insignificant, and, um, you know, uh, as you look ahead to this, I have obviously caught a lot of the rumblings about him selling his apartment in Milwaukee uh, and, and all this stuff. And, um, you know, I, I don't think that's uncommon. I mean, you know, you, you hear reports about big stars selling houses when they come up on free agent years uh, and, and living accommodations coming up on uh, free agent years fairly frequently. So I don't find that. Uh, to be definitive proof that he's not going to be around next year. 
Um, I think the bigger thing to consider is the DH rule in the NL because he, he kind of pointed to that because initially it looked like they were looking about keeping the DH rule in the NL uh, for the next two seasons, 20, 2020 and 2021. Um, but it now sounds like that is something that's going to have to be negotiated uh, in future player negotiations this winter. Um, and I think at this point we are not looking at the DH rule in the NL and you know, Ryan doesn't bring a whole lot defensively at this stage. He's not going to cover a great deal of ground. Uh, I think he plays a serviceable first base um, if they want to go in that direction. But I don't think he also expresses a great deal of interest in playing defense at this stage of his career. He's about 37, 38 years old, and I, I don't blame him. Uh, but, you know, I think that is the bigger thing to keep an eye on. I think at this stage, I think he just wants to hit. And I think at this stage, he's kind of, you know, earned that right. He's played a great deal of defense, run around Miller Park and uh, ballparks around the league for, for years now, and maybe just wants to get one more year of hitting in. Uh, I think, you know, I, it makes sense from a financial standpoint that the Brewers did not uh, pick up his option. Typically that last year in a, in a deal is deliberately expensive to kind of get players to renegotiate and, and teams back to the negotiating table. Uh, so I'm not you know, surprised that they didn't renew it. Uh, I think there is potential that the Brewers bring him back on a um, shortened deal um, or, you know, a smaller, uh, you know, deal not worth the 17, 18 million. I think he was due to be paid uh, this year. Uh, I think there's definitely potential for that. But uh, otherwise, you know, maybe Braun looks to get picked up by one of the California teams and maybe somebody in the AL uh, and uh, get an opportunity to play DH somewhere. Um, because, uh, you know, I think, I think he, uh, could definitely be considering those options, uh, as he kind of enters free agency, uh, for the first time, I think basically in his career. So, um, yeah, as far I mean, he's obviously the big free agent guy, uh, for Milwaukee this year. And a couple of the other names that, uh, you know, I kind of looked down the list at were, um, Brett Anderson, uh, who I, I forgot to touch on as far as one of the acquisitions going into this year uh, he kind of had a middle of the road 2020 with a four and four record and 10 starts with a 421 era and you know uh was i think serviceable veteran leadership but it was another one of these guys that going into this year i think gm david stearns was just kind of looking at as a as a one-year rental kind of kick the tires on a veteran kind of guy mm-hmm. um and uh you know, other than that, uh, Eric Sogard, obviously, you know, in his second stint in Milwaukee, uh, provided some infield versatility and was pretty good at getting on base this year leading off. Uh, but at 35, I wouldn't call him a high priority to re-sign either. Um, you know, as I mentioned, Jed Jericho uh, was was one player that really, you know, kind of shined in various spots this year. And I would be very interested to see uh, how he would perform in a 162-game season in Milwaukee. Um, you know, he signed for the Brewers for $1 million for a one-year contract this past year. And so if they could get him for another, you know, kind of veteran minimum deal, I would definitely be interested in seeing them uh, re-sign him. Um, you know, and third base is also not a deep market in free agency this year, so I really like the idea of, uh, you know, bringing him back. Uh, and then finally, you know, two other guys that kind of showed up for me were uh, – Ryan Healy and Shelby Miller, who were little more than depth for the Brewers this year, got some experience, but uh, I'm not sure if Shelby made it to the majors this year or if he was just kind of uh, minor league depth. But uh, Healy, you know, 
got a couple at bats was not a big factor for the Brewers. So those are those are kind of the free agents that I'm looking at, and I think you know the overall theme is that uh, David Stearns, you know, kind of going into this year, um, you know, signed a lot of guys on one or two year deals, kind of realizing like, you know, maybe there's potential in the next two years to kind of overhaul things, kind of a soft rebuild, but um, you know, maybe get some. Uh, you know, tread some water for a little bit and then maybe uh, allow some of these younger guys to develop and then, uh, you know, jump into the next competitive window here in the next few years while Christian Yelich is still in his prime and, um, you know, you have some other opportunities there. So the one guy you mentioned, Jerko, I would, yeah, that's definitely one guy that they probably would be, would be somebody they would like to resign for sure with the way he performed. I would be interested in seeing that as well, how he performs over a full season. Um, as far as the pitching, starting pitching goes, they need definitely need some depth there. They have, you now with the two, the two two starters you mentioned there with Anderson and Miller, they they're both free agents. So like, what was what were some of the guys that you saw? Like, if you looked at free agent the free agent market, like what was what was some guys you'd like to target as far as that goes? Yeah, and you know, as I as I looked at the you know kind of free agency picture for the for the Brewers, uh, I think there were two positions, starting pitching being one of them that uh, I think they should target this year. And it's a little bit difficult to discern what targets they may have based on their market. Obviously, the, you know, the dream, uh, you know, I was, was kind of looking through, or I saw one of your recent tweets about the, uh, you know, the Yankees dream offseason and picking up uh, guys who, you know, are looking to fetch $15, $20 million annually uh, deals this year. And, you know, I, I, Obviously, a Brewers fan uh, doesn't quite, you know, maybe have the realistic expectation of such lofty ambitions. So, uh, you know, as we as we look at the at the starting pitcher market, um, you know, it, it it really depends on how much Milwaukee's willing to spend. And I think if the recent track record is any indication, it's probably not to be going after these guys who are looking to command deals of ten, fifteen, twenty million dollars annually this year. Uh, and obviously the pipe dream would be, you know, to get somebody like Trevor Bauer, who has uh, said in his vlogs how much he enjoys Milwaukee. But I just don't see a deal like that coming together for his market value, um, you know, based on David Stern's track record of not really forking out big assets or or, uh, or contracts to uh, starting pitchers. Um, so, you know, as I look further down the list, um, you know, I also don't think any of these guys maybe – Closer in the $10 million range are, are really realistic. Uh, I've seen some people project, and I think these are kind of similarly uh, lofty um, expectations, but, uh, you know, refers to maybe go after a guy like Marcus Stroman, James Paxton, uh, Jake Odorizzi. Uh, I, I don't personally see them making that move, just, again, based on that track record, because those guys are going to be commanding, you know, perhaps deals of north of, eight, nine, ten million dollars. Um, so as you kind of work your way down the list of free agent pitchers, uh, you start to look for guys more in the mold of the Brett Anderson, the Josh Lindblom, Jolie Chassin, guys they've brought in uh, in recent years that, uh, you know, maybe getting towards the end of their career may have had one or two bad years in a row and maybe looking to, to bounce back as veterans in a new location and, uh, you know, guys for, that you can get for a year to three tops that, 
you know, may run you three to five million dollars annually. Um, so, you know, that puts you in the price range of some of these guys on maybe the other side of 33, like John Lester, Jeff Samarja, Jordan Zimmerman, uh, maybe some under the radar guys like Taiwan Walker, Alex Wood, potentially. Um, you know, I'd be interested in, in seeing if they could get somebody like Julio Tehran uh, after he had a rough season with the Angels uh, for maybe a discount. I've also seen people, you know, project Corey Kluver, which might be on the high end of their target market, but I could, you know, potentially see them going after uh, someone like him as well. So, um, you know, those are those are the kind of guys that uh, I could realistically see Milwaukee going after. Like, you know, uh, I think... Everybody, every team uh, could see a spot in the rotation for a guy like Trevor Bauer, but um, you know the financial situation being what it is right now, I, I just don't see a lot to uh, justify, you know, uh, you know, too much hope as far as Brewer fans can be concerned of uh, of Milwaukee going after Bauer at this point. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Uh- yeah, just going off that topic too with with uh, Hater. Well, um, not to really go much into detail about what kind of packages, but like, what would be a kind of a perfect package that you would like to see for him? Well, um, yeah, I, I, it's hard to, you know, I, as much as I want to get in in the inside the mind of a MLB GM and and project what uh, a player might be worth. Um, you know, it, it's tough to uh, it's tough to make that call, especially when it comes to prospects. I think uh, you know more than likely, Milwaukee's looking at a deal for you know two to three prospects for for Hater. Um, I, I don't think they'll necessarily get uh, a proven commodity, but it would be great to get like a a solid everyday third baseman. I know uh, you know the uh, I believe the name Gio Urshela of your Yankees uh, has come up in the past in uh, trade speculations and stuff like that. And, um, you know, someone like him who can, who can, you can just plug in at third and, and kind of not worry too much about that corner. Cause that I think is a, is another significant uh, hole for Milwaukee as you look, you know, it was, it was going into the season and I think it remains uh, based on the guys that they signed and just kind of filled that spot with this past year, um, you know. So I, I think a if you could get an everyday third baseman and one or two prospects, that would be the ideal package. Um, but I think more than likely you're looking at two to three uh, prospects. Obviously, if you could get somebody who's you know maybe uh, some starting pitching depth because you could always use more pitching. Um, you know, somebody who could uh, potentially contribute in the next couple of years. They have. Uh, you know, some significant investments uh, as far as draft capital. They have Ethan Small as one of their top pitching prospects who's due up in the next couple of years, and Zach Brown is another. Um, you know, guys that uh, could potentially break into the league here in the next couple of years, but, uh, you know, maybe they you, know, you can always use uh, more starting pitching. And, um, uh, you know, that's kind of the, the uh, what I'm looking at is, is a potential ideal trade scenario. You know, I think. Also, you know, as as I remember touching on in our season preview, I think, you know, the the time for Hater to get traded is I think remains pretty ripe, but I don't think it was even as ripe, uh, or I don't I don't think it's as ripe now as it even was prior to this season. Because again, 
This is the third straight year for Hader with his ERA going up. It's it was now uh, I think it was over three this year after uh, you know two years of keeping it under two and uh, or under under three I should say. Um, and you know the walks were up for him. He had 20 last year in 61 games or two years ago I should say in 2019 he had 20 20 last year in in uh, in 61 games while in in the games this year. Uh, he had 21 games and 10 walks, so that's nearly, um, you know, half or that's half as many walks and about a third as many games, um, and you know that regression kind of concerns me with the control, um, but I think there is still a great deal of, of trade value for him, um, and uh, you know with with the leverage of uh, you know having uh, Devin Williams as that guy who can potentially stand in as a closer. Um, you know, I think there's there's versatility there for the Brewers to, to make the move or not make the move, um, and and obviously Hater's not uh, too expensive yet either, so that is uh, definitely helpful as they uh, you know look to the next uh, year or two. Um, one other hole I wanted to touch on too is again that third base hole in the lineup, um, as far as they look at uh, free agent targets this year, and, and as I mentioned earlier, the third base market is not. Uh, looking too deep this year, but there is one player that I would like to see Milwaukee make a run, of, uh, especially if they can't get Jericho back, and maybe even if they do, uh, is Michael Franco. Um, I think he, he's got the you know the kind of bat to be a difference maker and, and somebody who, along with Jericho, who I think uh, over the last number of years before he came to Milwaukee was kind of a brewer killer at Miller Park. Um, you know, he hits well there, and... Um, uh, is is the kind of guy who I, I could definitely see uh, the Brewers going after, you know, to shore up that corner infield because I think, you know, whether it be first base or third, I think third is the more glaring hole, but they do uh, have at least Jericho potentially if they re-sign him to fill that hole. But maybe they could bounce him over to first, get Michael Franco for third. Um, and then I think uh, one other guy – is a kind of versatile infielder that I'd like to see them potentially go after is uh, Marwin Gonzalez. Uh, you know, a guy who can obviously play all over the infield and I think has played some outfield. Um, and, you know, just another guy to fill that uh, versatile utility infielder role. They obviously tried Brock Holt. Uh, a couple other guys this past year and Brock Holt kind of flamed out for, for Milwaukee. Uh, you know, was it another one of those guys who maybe in a 162 game season gets more opportunities, but uh, didn't really, uh, you know, didn't really have uh, the opportunity to to shine in a in an abridged season here. So, uh, as as far as free agent targets, I think those are some of the guys that I would uh, be interested in in seeing Milwaukee go after this offseason for sure. Yeah, so going into some discussion about the. Um the vision i think this year the vision is kind of up in the air again it's going to be another tight race for every team except for the pirates because uh, the pirates are not going to be good again but yeah the red uh the reds i think are going to be a little bit they're not going to be as good because they're not going to i don't believe they're going to be able to retain bauer um he's going to go somewhere else and then like their, their rotation won't be as good so i think the brew the, i mean the reds are fall off a little bit um I think probably the Cardinals are probably the favorites at this point. Um, with, so they, I think they have the, they have what it takes to get to get that get that uh, division cr- title again. Um, 
Uh, the one thing is going to be if they can get Ozuna back or not. Ozuna uh, is definitely a big part of their lineup. So if they re-sign him, then that's huge. But if they don't, then that's obviously another that's a, neg- a negative for that for them. So I think just a lot of these teams have question marks. Just like wasn't the- Ozuna with the Braves this past year? Or yeah, yeah, yeah Ozuna's yeah. with the Braves. <laughs> but I don't know if he's up for a new deal. I haven't looked at. Yeah, he is a free agent. So maybe if they oh, want okay. to try to get him, I wasn't but- sure what you meant there. Gosh, yeah, but yeah, Zona was a big contributor for the Cardinals, and uh, you know if they get his back, uh, his bat back in their lineup, uh, they're definitely, you know, a contender again. Yeah, I think the Reds, uh, I think you're spot on. Like, you know, losing Bauer is uh, is potentially a big deal for them, and um, you know they were they were a team that really went seemed to go all in on 2020, and you know that's another lineup too that like you know when they pick up Mustakas and they uh, I think they re-signed Nick Castellanos and um, you know they they were really built to do some damage. I think over a 162 game season this year, but again, kind of new pi- new pieces and new locations and stars kind of struggling was the kind of theme of 2020 across the league, uh, not just with the Brewers or Reds, but um, so they you know kind of maybe fell short of some of their lofty expectations for this year, and um, you know the window may have closed as soon as it uh, as soon as it opened for them. Um, but they'll they'll still you know be in position to do some damage I think and uh, I think the Cubs are a real wild card I I really didn't see the uh, Theo Epstein news the other day coming I don't know if uh, if you uh, what what are your thoughts on that uh, Alex I kind of I kind of did see it coming a little bit I just I think they they definitely seem like they're kind of on the downfall right now they just like they were supposed to be a dynasty back when they won in 2016. They were everybody was saying that they're gonna come keep coming back to the and winning and I mean go, going back to the playoffs and going far and then kind of just never got it together again after that and now they're gonna have a lot of questions to answer you know as far as obviously Epstein now stepping down so uh, that and then you know their contracts coming up too with Baez and Bryant they're not gonna be able to retain both of them and. Bryant could be a possibility of being moved this offseason along with Lindor. So, uh, and their rotation is going to be a, a big question mark um, as far because like, they have uh, Lester and Quintana, both free agents. Uh, and then, you know, they got Hendricks still, but other than him, they have really just a bunch of question marks there, I think. So, yeah, just. Just like I was just going back on that point, I, like I think every team in this division has a lot of question marks, so it's just going to be really up in the air. Yeah, and I think the you know the encouraging thing to look at for Milwaukee uh, as you kind of look at the next couple years um, is I think they they don't have a great deal invested uh, in in you know expensive contracts, whereas you're looking at uh, the Cubs or you know they they, they actually started to. Get some payoff on their very lucrative U uh, Darvish deal uh, this past year. U Darvish was uh, a very, very competitive starter for them uh, this year. But in the past couple of years, if you talk to a Cubs fan about how that deal was going, they were not feeling too great about it. And I think one of the advantages for the Brewers is they don't have a lot of contracts like that. I mean, basically, one of the only people under contract uh, beyond like two or three years out is Yelich. So uh, they have a lot of versatility uh in their spending and as you look at a situation where 
sports leagues are kind of dealing with salary cap issues, and, uh, and obviously um, Major League Baseball is not one of those. But um, there's still obviously uh, owners dealing with you know perhaps less uh, discretionary income than they uh, have been used to over the last number of years. So um, you know the the spending and free agency is going to be less so uh, for for teams that you know potentially have been more active in the last number of years. Um, so, you know, that I think plays a little bit into Milwaukee's favor that they have some versatility and they, um, you know, don't have guys locked down for five, six-year deals um, beyond Yelich, who you obviously want to have around for as long as, uh, you know, he can be around. And um, so, I, you know, I think uh, that plays pretty well into the Brewers' hands. And like you said there with the, with the Cubs, um, you know, they've got some tough decisions coming up for whatever new GM they try to hire, and um, you know that uh, that situation is definitely going to be something to keep an eye on as far as you know the the trade rumors maybe surrounding Chris Bryant. Uh, I doubt they would trade him in in the division, but uh, you know some wishful thinking Brewers fans have, have uh, said, oh, you know if you don't like Chris Bryant, send him over here. But uh, you know I, I don't necessarily see that move happening. I think across sports. Uh, Trades in the division are pretty rare because that's a guy that has obviously a great deal of potential to hurt you in the years to come. Uh, so, you know, that that I think is, yeah, my uh, prognosis as far as the NL Central goes is, uh, you know, we're going to have to definitely keep a close eye on the um, on the moves made this offseason because, as I mentioned earlier with the batting average, I mean, you know, all, all five of these teams were in the bottom half and – basically the bottom third of uh, batting averages. So um, I think all GMs are kind of looking at that and uh, thinking, you know, we need to get some guys in here or make some moves that will, uh, you know, help us move that statistic up, get some guys on base and drive in some runs for sure. Yeah, and as far as the free agent market goes, I think there are – quite a bit of guys like that that can that are just contact type hitters that are get on base and as you look down the list you know you got like Tommy your Tommy Lastellos of the world you got Marcus Simeon guys like that that are you know very good just contact hitters they don't really go you know boom or bust with home runs and so kind of I think any team right now with the way the league is going needs to get more guys like that like also the DJ LeMahieu's of the world like that so yeah, um, not Lemayhu, but but Listella. Obviously, Lemayhu's a great player, uh, but uh, Listella, I think, is a guy. I, I forgot to mention him when we uh, were talking third baseman for the Brewers. I think he's a guy who, you know, would work well as a nice lefty bat, a guy who gets on base, um, you know, a, a guy uh, that has a little bit of versatility around the infield. I would love to see the Brewers pick up. Uh, you know, him as a lefty bat in the lineup, uh, I think he makes a lot of sense to go after as well um, at third base. But, uh, yeah, there's, there's definitely going to be a premium on – because I think, you know, GMs are aware of the way the league is trending with strikeouts and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, guys that can get on base, can get bat on ball, and, uh, you know, move guys over, move guys in are are going to be uh, at a premium, I think, in the in this uh, off season to come here for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, I don't know if you have any other thoughts about the Brewers or the division, any or anything really. Just 
Yeah, I mean, that's pretty, you know, it's pretty well uh, all that I had. Uh, I, I think it will, you know, it uh, obviously last year, you know, we, we had no idea, uh, you know, I think the, the, the bridge season that was to come, and I think GMs were planning a great deal for, uh, you know, your typical 162-game season. And it'll be interesting to see how general managers look at the year to come, whether are we, you know, uh, what assurances they have that, you know, maybe things will be better enough that we will have a 162 game season this year. Cause obviously depending on who you're listening to, uh, you know, there's a great deal of uh, conjecture about will things be looking normal by March and April. Um, obviously there's been some uh, positive news on the vaccine front. We certainly hope that uh, COVID is under control. Um, in the years to come, uh, NBA is looking at a season, I think, starting in December here. And, um, you know, whether we're out of the pandemic or not, um, you know, I think as GMs plan for the future, it'll be interesting to see whether they are looking at, um, you know, and planning for a 162-game season, planning for a, another short season, um, you know, maybe factoring that into negotiations with players. Uh, all that stuff will be... Uh, very interesting to see now that we have a little bit more idea of what we're facing than uh, we had in in uh, December and January. Yeah. Uh, you know, this past December and January, so. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I think, like, that's going to make this offseason drag on a lot. It's going to be really slow, not going to be much deals at the beginning because uh, just teams are just – their GMs are waiting to see what's going to go on and like what, and they're trying to figure out what, like what they're going to plan for really, I think. So. Yeah, there was a great deal of that last year, I think even, or the last couple of years, wasn't it, uh, wasn't it like Jake Arietta or some of these guys that like were lingering well into the season unsigned. Uh, and I think that's even going to be exacerbated in the next, uh, you know, few months here because I don't think it would be wise for any general managers or teams to jump into lucrative deals, uh, you know, for the long term when you're looking at, um, you know, the potential. I mean, you, you think about the you think about the Mookie Betts trade last off season, and and all of a sudden you're you're uh, you know you're looking at a season that may not happen, and they uh, and the Dodgers may have given up all these prospects and stuff like that for a player that's never going to play for them. Uh, you know, that was a very real possibility they were looking at. And I think a lot of GMs may get a little uh, shell-shocked. Obviously, that worked out, you know, pretty well for the Dodgers. They end up signing him long-term. But, you know, that was hardly guaranteed when uh, when they made the move. And all of a sudden, you're looking at, uh, we just gave up a bunch of prospects for a guy who may not play at all. Um, but, uh, you know, that... Uh, that I think is definitely something to keep in mind too, is just the aggression level of general managers across the league. I think is going to be pulled back even further, um, you know, these next couple of months, because we definitely, you know, see how things play out and uh, see, you know, what we're looking at as far as the spring training um, and what protocols remain in place uh, as we prepare for the 2021 uh, season. Yeah, another big thing of concern is going to be if whether or not fans are allowed in, because that's that's obviously about a big part of their, well, the money that they bring in. So, uh, yep. 
we'll have to see what they do with that. If they if we get a vaccine, they'll probably have be able to let fans in. But if we don't at that point, then it's we might not have any fans, or maybe just be at a you know half half capacity or something like that. So. Yeah, sports is a business, and I think you know, in a sport that uh, doesn't have necessarily the same revenue structure and salary cap of like the NFL or uh, the you know luxury tax of uh, of uh, the NBA, I think uh, you know that's kind of one of the only uh, parameters they have in place. Is you can only spend how much you have. Um, so uh, you know that that's definitely. Uh, you know, going to be some, you know, factor for some of these owners who are looking at a bottom line that, uh, you know, did not look great for them. And that was one of the original sticking points uh, as we were even negotiating a 60 game season was, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, was negotiating like how much are our owners going to lose if they have games with no fans versus having no games at all um, and all that stuff. So the, all those conversations are going to be remain, uh, you know, obviously going to still remain factors as long as uh, the pandemic is still ongoing. But uh, yeah, I guess that's uh, all I had, Alex. Uh, I don't know if you had uh, any other questions for me or thoughts, uh, you know, on the brewer season. No, I think that was about it. So yeah, thanks for coming back on and you're always welcome again any other time. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's always great to talk with you and uh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, no problem. Um, so that was our Brewers discussion on on their off season, their last and their this past season. Um, yeah, continue listening to these episodes. Uh, bring coming out every other every other couple days, as I have time to record whenever I get around to doing them. And then, of course, when signings, free agent signings come in, come in trades happen. I'll be do, talking about that a lot on here as well. So. Yeah, thanks for listening, and you can never have too much podcast.